This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You might think most banks are the same. At Premise, we agree and we don't like it. Most banks have been given a pass, and we wondered why. Then, we wondered why not. Why not cut red tape? Why not offer actually free checking? Why not send a driver to you? Yeah, literally to your door. Premise is here to be different and be the first bank to get it right. Welcome to banking as it should be. Visit PremiseBank.com to see how. Member FDIC. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Obviously, a Millwall fan as well as a uh, an ex Millwall player played fourteen goal fourteen games for us and scored once. So I think the question what we we'll start off with um, today, Darren. Welcome to the show. What was it like playing for your boyhood team and scoring a goal? Uh, listen, it was amazing. Uh, like everybody, when you when you're a Millwall fan, I grew up um, going over Colblow Lane and uh, standing on the halfway line watching people like. Terry Herlock, uh, people like that, on the, and it was uh, it was just brilliant. You know, obviously had a, had a long career. I was disappointed probably that I, I came to Millwall towards the back end of my career and probably didn't play as many games as I would have liked to have played. But um, yeah, to play fourteen games over over a six, I think six nine month period, I was there was uh, was brilliant, and uh, to score the goal against Preston as well was uh, was superb. And I think my dad's still got me uh, still got the shirt I scored the goal in frame. 
and he's uh, up in his living room. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing to have and good memories. How did the move come about, um, Darren? Was it so? I think you got released from Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? And then obviously we had Kenny Jacket in charge. So yeah, how did that come about? Strange, really. I was at, I was at Sheffield Wednesday. I was captain. Um, I played twenty eight games, uh, and in my contract, in the second year of my contract, I had a clause in it to say that um, if I play thirty games, I've got a new contract. Um, obviously, played twenty eight games. It's just coming up to Christmas. I was, I think, it was sort of start of January. And uh, Milan Mandrich came in and basically pulled me in first day and said, Percy, I love you, man, but you're not playing 28 days. You're not going to play 30 games. I can't afford to give you a new contract. And that was it. Um, got paid up for the last six months of my contract. Um, so I was a free agent. And over, over the next sort of day or so, uh, speaking to a few players, and I rung Fawley up, who was obviously goalkeeper at Millwall. And uh, he said, what's happening, Percy? I said, well, I've just been obviously let go from, from Chef Wed. Um, obviously looking for a new club. He went, we're desperate for a centre-half. Let me speak to the gaffer. So he rung Kenny within sort of 10 minutes. Obviously, Kenny had rung me. Um, and literally within an hour, it was all done and dusted, signed and um, met him at the hotel for the game at Leicester away. It was a pretty whirlwind. It was sort of mad. But obviously, it wasn't about money for me then. It was just about obviously representing and playing for me boiled club and it was brilliant just to ring the old man on the on that Friday afternoon and say, uh, you, you're not going to, I don't know where he was playing the next day, probably Rochdale or something like that with Sheffield Wednesday. He's not going there. We're, you're going to watch Leicester and me playing for Millwall. So it was, uh, it was brilliant for me, brilliant for the family and uh, something that will live long in the memory. So what was your old man's reaction to you signing for Millwall? Uh, listen, I think he was just made up. To be fair, my dad, he's... Throughout my career, he followed me everywhere. You know, I, I played 700 games, I think, professionally. And I think he probably watched 690 of them. He was uh, every Saturday, he'd be up and down the country, Newcastle, everywhere, Carlisle, you know, just, just to watch me play football. So for, for me to obviously represent Millwall and, and play at the Den and um, obviously seeing him in the in, in the crowd with all his mates that he used to go to watch Millwall home and away with was... Uh, was brilliant for me and uh, it was just sort of nice for my dad to to say that he'd watched me play for the club and uh, obviously get a, get a little bit of kudos from all his mates he used to go home and away with with Millwall. Yeah, was it through your dad that you were actually a Millwall fan? Yeah, obviously, that, well, my granddad it was. My granddad uh, moved down from Lincoln in, I think, probably 1940s, 1950s. Uh, he was he was he born in Lincoln and moved down. He was a caretaker in Whitechapel. Um, and I think a group of these mates used to go and they used to get the old East London line across the over the water or under the water and um, and watch me a wall. So obviously, my granddad brought my dad over, and then obviously when we were a kid, I'd, I'd play f- football on a Saturday morning, whether I'd be for the for the school or the county or the district, and then um, and then we'd drive over to to Millwall on a Saturday afternoon with all my dad's mates and stand on the halfway line at the Colblow uh, Lane. It was. Um, it was brilliant. Loved it. It was uh, just a, a real sort of, say, baptism of fire. But the atmosphere was always electric. And um, yeah, yeah, I think once you once you pick your club, once you've got your team, it, it never leaves you. So, what's your best memory from supporting Millwall from from being a child? <laughs> it's, it's whether it's a good one or a bad one. I remember uh, we played Man City away. I'd have been about 12, 11, 12 years of age, something like that. So, what that have been? 88, let's go through the archives, have a look where the game was. But I remember going up, you used to get the, the old specials, didn't you? The trains, 
So we got the train up there for obviously Man City. Uh, straight off the train, you get bundled into the buses off the train. And I remember about, it must have been about a mile away from um, from the old main road. And I just remember loads of windows coming through on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so we're driving along in the bus with all the windows out. And um, all of a sudden the bus stopped. And I just remember my dad just standing there as a kid. Just, you stay there. You don't, you know, I'm going, I'll come back for you. And all of a sudden they've all got off having a ruck with, <laughs> with a few man fans. <laughs> Uh, but about 10 minutes later, all came back on, put, toodled off to the game and watched the game. I think we ended up getting beat 3-1 or something like that. But uh, that was my earliest memory. That's one of the memories that really sticks out. It's funny because my memories are a lot similar when I was a kid, like going to Leeds away and stuff like that, getting a similar sort of treatment where you're getting shoved onto a, a coach and then you're getting stuff pelted at you and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's great that they're the weird kind of memories that stick in the memory that kind of are like, you're not best, but like, just stuff that is vivid in your head, isn't it? It's quite. It's, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily about the football, is it? These days, it's like it's about the experiences. It's um. I was another I memory. I remember Sheffield Wednesday, Trevor Francis coming down. This was probably I'd have been about 15, 14, 15 years of age, and I was like, um, I was really sort of. I had half a chance of being a professional footballer. I had half a chance of getting a scholarship somewhere, and um, I used to take a bit more of interest in how players used to warm up and things like that. And I always remember Trevor Francis. Obviously, he became my manager at Birmingham for, for seven years. But I always remember him coming out probably two o'clock before everybody else and just doing his own really rigorous warm-up and the stretches he did. And so little things like that would stick, stick in my memory because, obviously, I, I loved watching Millwall. But obviously, I think when you become involved and, and you've got a chance of being a footballer, you, you tend to look at games a little bit different. And uh, I remember him coming out and doing that and that. That sort of stuck with me throughout my career. Obviously, I always stretched after games, and I think that's probably why I ended up playing until I was forty-one. When, uh, because I looked after myself a little bit. How how hard is it when you are a professional footballer to still, like you said, you obviously changed there. But with us watching football, we obviously analyse football. But you know, realistically, we're we're not professional players, uh, and we're not professional within the field. But do you get the same enjoyment out of watching? a Millwall game as a Millwall fan or do you scrutinise the game to the last inch? Yeah, I, I don't I don't enjoy watching them as much as what I use. I, you just don't get emotionally, I know, as I said, you, you only get one TV, you just don't get emotionally involved in games as much as what you do as a fan, you know. Um, when things don't quite go for you, you don't get involved in it too much, it's part and partial football, but you just look at games different, you look at systems, the way things are playing, you see some, obviously, as fans, you don't see sort of runs that people that, that people make. And that's why you have different opinions on 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 certain players. You can have a look at a player as, as a fan and say, he's crap, he's rubbish. But then you don't look at the other side that he maybe does for the team. That If he's not in the team, he, he doesn't give you that work rate, that effort, and, and just break things up for the rest of the players to be the, that, the, the playmakers. So you, you do tend to, especially when you do coaching badges and that, you do tend to be... And, and look at games very different to what you do as a as a fan. I do I do look at Millwall's games, or when I go, I tend to try and get down to a couple of games a year if I can. And you do sort of every now and then you do when they score, you, you jump up and celebrate a lot more than what you do for any other game. No, no, and I mean I suppose it's you know a prime example of the players and all that is at the minute is is um, his dad is getting a load of grief. Um, but Vardison is getting a load of grief for being shit, but actually he must be doing something right because the manager keeps picking him in the team. Yeah, I see. Sometimes you don't see what happens off the pitch as well with with players. 
You know, you can think they're, they're, they're terrible players, but they could be the lifestyle of the, of the squad, if you know what I mean. You don't know what, what they're getting up to in the dressing room, the, how they motivate play, the, the, the teammates that are around them sort of before they even step onto the pitch. So there's a lot, there is a lot that goes on sort of away from that 90 minutes that can get someone picked on a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon and, and not picked. But um, yeah, generally, it's, uh, it's, you do tend to look at games that little bit different. The question, a question I have for you. We've done a, and, and we're going to be doing an interview, hopefully with with him on his own. Um, but we've done him in part of a free goalkeeper special show we've we've done um, in last month, and uh, he spoke that he used to really thrive on intimidating the away team. What's it like standing in line with David Ford? Um, doing his David Ford thing before going out to the pitch. Well, he, he probably learned that off me from Cardiff because that's what it was like at Cardiff, you know. And I played with Fordy there, hence why obviously the the move came about because I knew him. But yeah, he's um, listen. Millwall's an intimidating place anyway. When you're standing in that tunnel, obviously when you got the players along stand alongside you, you you, you can win a game in, in the tunnel. You know, you look at some some teams that come down south and, and, and come to Millwall there. And they step out and they're in that cauldron of atmosphere, and they're just getting solid abuse for ninety minutes. It's um, it, it's just it is a really intimidating place to play. But uh, yeah, it's, it, as I said, with having forty alongside a six foot four and uh, with his with his Irish accent, and that he can uh, <laughs> he, he can make people whimper in the, in in the tunnel as well as on the pitch. And that tunnel, I mean, I don't know about the other two, but that time I've been there on a on a match day, and I've stood at the back when the players are going and, you know, I've, I've listened to the banter and, and everything else, not, not in the years when you were there, more recent, but I don't know. There is something it's, it's literally as soon as those players start lining up, that tunnel just suddenly becomes so loud with the crowd that you can hear everything. Uh, and yet you can hear every player at the same time. Um, and walking out when you get that initial, um, cheer must be goosebumps. I mean, it's been goosebumps to me every time I do it. It feels like the first time. No, you know, for me, obviously, whenever I walked out, even when I was on the bench at Millwall, we did walk out. I'd always, I'd be singing along with the fans. You know, let them come, let them come, let them come. It's what you do as a fan, you know. And that's what I, I, I treated that as a. Obviously, I was thirty six when I was playing. When I was thirty five, when I when I signed, so it was sort of towards the end of my career. But it was just brilliant just to be involved in it. I'd sing all the songs with it, with all the Millwall fans. Obviously, I was lucky enough to to go to a lot of Millwall games as well. Leeds away, I remember going up to a game, you know. And to to be involved with the fans is um, is a great buzz. And and I think they they do give you that twelfth man when you are playing at the Den because there, there are there are clubs that hate coming down there, and it's a it's a really intimidating place. And you, you, as I said, you can win that game in the in the in the tunnel before it. Did you ever have the chance to join Millwall when you were a kid? Um, I was at, I was at Millwall as a, as a young lad, um, so about 14 years of age, 13, 14. I, I did the rounds as a 14, 15-year-old. I, I sort of did a trained at Arsenal, trained at Tottenham, trained at Millwall. But my dad was, I say he was quite shrewd, he said quite shrewd or quite stupid, but it never let me sign a schoolboy school forms with a club. He said... Um, he said, you go round, you do your training, but um, you're not going to sign anywhere until it's the right club. And I got offered I got offered um, a scholarship to a couple of clubs. Like the Arsenal was one under Steve Rowley over, over there. I got offered like 16 to 18 scholarship there. 
Um, but Orient is it, random. And yet, if you looked at it nowadays, kids would never do it. But at 16, I was going to start at school. I was quite a bright lad, even though looking at me and hearing me now, you'd, you'd never think it. I was quite a bright lad, wanted to be a pilot as well as a footballer. And then um, Orient said, look, as soon as you're 17, we'll sign you on as a pro. We don't want to sign you as a scholar. We want to sign you on as a pro. So I went in, trained, got paid expenses for a few months. As soon as I turned 17, signed pro and made me professional debut three days later at Brighton. So for me, my dad probably mapped out my career sort of for me when I was a when I was a kid and I can't thank him enough for that. He's he he, he was throughout my career he, he he was a he was a big instigator in all the decisions that he made and yeah um, I think when turning down Millwall probably 14, 15 wasn't a wasn't probably the greatest thing but I think at the end of the day you, you can't let your your heart roll your head when you're making decisions on a career. So when he wouldn't let you sign for Millwall as a 14, 15 year old yeah, what did you think? Because obviously you'd stood on the terraces, you'd watch us in the first division. and Yeah, as I, listen, I, I remember Mill, I think it was 88, 89, when we was top of the league. I, I think I've still, my dad's still got the cup. There was, I think they made cup, like mugs of it. And uh, the old CFAX mugs with Mill top of the league, I remember that. And um, yeah, that, yeah, as I said, by, by the time I got to sort of 15 years of age, I, I knew I was, I knew I was okay. I knew I was a good footballer, and I knew I had half a chance of making a career out of it. So the decisions that were made then, as I said, that it was your head ruling your your heart. If it was a heart decision, I'd have signed for Millwall at 15 and, and did it that way. But I think with, with the decision of, of, to be offered a professional contract as soon as you turn 17, I think that sort of makes the decision for you. And I think looking back on my career, it was definitely a good decision for myself. Because you grew up, I think you grew up with a certain manager of our near neighbours, didn't you, down in Poplar? Mr. Bowyer? Yeah, Bowyer. Me and Bo, me and Lee played for together until we were 16, 15, 16 years of age. Bo was, um, he was one of them players that just, I don't know, he's manager at Charlton now, but he worked his absolute nuts off to be a footballer. He'd be out on the, on the training pitch with his old man, sort of, six days a week. Um, he, he was a real workhorse. And to be fair, he had, he had a brilliant career and obviously he's made, going on to, to make a really good managerial career out of it as well. But he's, um, yeah, he's a good lad. Obviously, we, we, he's, I say we keep in touch now, probably not as much as what we should do, but he's, um, yeah, he's a good lad and uh, I'm, I, hope he, I hope he makes a success of being a, a manager as he is at the minute. Just one question. We, we, we spoke to Alexander and, and Danny and all that. Everyone thinks that being a footballer is a, is a dream job. But one thing that they, they, they raised um, was that actually it can be quite a stressful job because you, you are literally playing game to game and you don't know um, whether or not you'll get injured or whether or not you'll get dropped by the manager or whatnot. I mean, how much of a stress is that um, while playing or is it something that you don't really care about? You just take each day as it comes. I, I disagree with them. I, I, football's the best job in the world. Though there was no stress for me or anything. I just, I love getting up every morning. I love going out and training every morning. I love the, the the battle on a Saturday afternoon when you're coming up against people and having to test yourself against centre forwards that are there. I, I, it, it was never a stressful job for me. People people say that, they, that you're under pressure, and you are under pressure. Obviously, there's always somebody looking to t- to take your shirt when you're playing. But I used to love that battle. I used to love that. They used to inspire me rather than rather than stress me out. That was uh, yeah, that was. I, I just love being a footballer, and 
I think hence why I played till I was 41 years of age. I just love the buzz of a Saturday afternoon and going out to prove yourself and playing for three points every week. It was, uh, that was the one for me. So you obviously, with the other teams you play for, you've, you've obviously played against Millwall in your career. Yeah. You? So yeah. what's it like coming to the den as an opposition player? I a couple of things. I remember standing, I think it must have been for Birmingham. Not Obviously, I played in the um, in the semi-final where we we won 1-0, we beat Millwall 1-0 in the, in the second leg of the semi-final playoffs. And, um, but there was a, and it there was all a game. went off outside. It did, yeah. We didn't leave the ground until about 2 o'clock in the morning, um, which was nice because we'd won because we was just on the razzle for, for a couple of hours in the ground. But um, I remember playing in a game it would have been for Birmingham, and um, I remember on the half. We swearing or not? Are we allowed to swear or not? Yeah, of course. You can know. say anything yeah. you want. And uh, I remember this bloke right just coming running down and said, "Oh, hey, Perch, you can't fucking have you after the game. I'm gonna cut ya and all that." So I'm looking at him, just laughing at him. And I remember uh, one of my dad's mates, Spuddy's nickname was Big Blackfella, and he's come walking down the stairs. Just tapped him on the shoulder. He went, Oi, you fucking leave him alone. He's one of us. And to see the bloke just sort of shrivel up, go into his shell, he walked back up, sat down, and that was it. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was nice, you know, because obviously it was one of my dad's mates. He knew I was a Millwall fan, but it was uh yeah, to see someone do that, because obviously the abuse you get in a game is it's quite funny. He's just laughing off at times, but it was just funny looking at him just shriveling to his shell and uh with Spud standing behind him. But yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was good, good fun. But yeah, obviously played in that Millwall game where we um, where we, we won 1-0 with Birmingham. So that was hard. Obviously, I say it was hard. Obviously, you're looking at your career and, and I wanted to play in the Premier League and I was doing that for, for Birmingham at the time. So obviously, you, you play for the team that are paying you the money. But um, it's hard, obviously, knocking Millwall out of the semi-final playoffs to, to, to hopefully get in the Premier League. Yeah, there was a great atmosphere in the den that night, wasn't there? It was absolutely electric. Yeah, it was unreal. I think Mill. It was one-one up at Birmingham, and Mill had probably had the upper hand coming back for the uh, for the second leg, and we managed to nick it. I don't know if it was an extra time or it was like one minute before the end of uh, the end of the game. Stern John scored, and it was uh, yeah. But the, the atmosphere, the atmosphere is always brilliant at the Den. But that night was uh, was something that a little bit special. And obviously, being a Millwall fan, you look at it from both perspectives. With uh, with the Blues fans, the Birmingham fans behind the goal, but obviously the Millwall fans that were there as well. I suppose your family um, didn't necessarily appreciate the the loss, but I suppose it's a good job that you didn't score. No, yeah, it was a good job. I, I was I was close to scoring, to be fair. Um, was, uh, I was standing behind him. He, he nicked in front of me, but I'd have probably missed it on purpose. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd say it was hard for me, fam. But they, they understood it was my job, if you know what I mean. It, that, that was my career. That's what I wanted to play at the highest level that I could and, and that that game was a stepping stone for me to doing that. So yeah, that obviously they, they was in a no. Well, I was in a no lose situation really because if we'd have got beat, I'd have been at Wembley watching Millwall get promoted, hopefully against Norwich anyway. So I'd have been at Wembley on the bank holiday money, no matter what, either following Millwall or playing for Birmingham. Yeah, because you were banned for that final, weren't you? Because you got sent yeah, off got, against Sheffield United. In the- I got sent off against Sheffield United last game of the season. We were, I think we were 1-0 up with about 10 minutes to go and I think we needed to win. And um, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm trying to think one of the one of the, Millwall, uh, one of the Sheffield United players were, were through one-on-one and go and I just brought him down, professional foul and got sent off. So. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it. 
But nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's Al. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really going to have some fun. Mike, series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. I'm, I'm getting all the credit for Birmingham getting promoted that year because if they'd have scored that, we, we wouldn't have got in the playoffs. So it's all your fault that we didn't get in the Premier League either. <laughs> there you go. So how was it week in, week out, playing with... I mean, uh, then there was, there's some, there was some big names in the Premiership. Yeah, obviously, I look back on my career. One of my biggest regrets was probably not um, not swapping shirts enough. I got a few shirts. I got um, obviously my, the car, uh, Wembley Cup final where we uh, we lost on penalties to, to Liverpool. I've got that shirt up, mine and Jamie Carragher's with with the medal. I've got that up in the uh, in my dining room. Um, obviously, the FA Cup final, I got that shirt. But I just I wish I'd swap shirts with with some of the players you played against. You know, to play against sort of Burkamp, Omri, Zola, Van Nistelrooy. Van Persie players like that, you, you look back and you think, yeah, it's, uh, you, you've had a half decent career, but maybe sort of you look back at it now, it's 40, 43 years of age, and you, you, you've got, you haven't got a lot, you've just got your memories, you ain't got a lot to look back on, you've just got a couple of shirts and, and that's it, a couple of medals and, and that. But yeah, I wish I'd probably swapped a few more shirts and it's something to, to show the kids and the grandkids rather than rather than just your memories and boring them when you're telling them stories. <laughs> so fast forward, I got there. So we'll talk about, you know, the season you was with us for that one yep. year, so to speak. What was your first memories? I think it was Leicester away, wasn't it? I think it was Sven Eriksson in charge, you know, the likes of them. What was it like, that first game? Yeah, no, obviously it was brilliant. I remember meeting up with, obviously, a few of the boys. I knew, obviously, Neil Arias and a few of the boys from playing against them over the years. And it was nice meeting up with them at the hotel and... Um, and obviously meeting the gaffer and that, and then obviously he named the side the next day, and I wasn't on, I was I was on the bench, which I was happy with, you know. I'd, obviously, I'd left Sheffield Wednesday. I was I was just I was just at Millwall for the ride. Um, I said I was thirty-five, coming to the end of my career, and then um, obviously I came on at halftime. I think we were, was three 0 down or three one down at halftime. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like Kenny had signed uh, another centre-half the day before from Norwich. I can't even remember what his name Askew, is. Askew, his name is. I was just about to say that, yeah, because he got sent off in that game and then was down to 10 men and stuff. I was just reading for it now so I remember the game as well. But obviously yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, wasn't it, I suppose, kind of coming in yeah, at the like, deep end. I just remember, obviously, Kenny said he, he said to me, um, obviously, when, when he pulled me that morning, he said, I've signed this other lad from Norwich. I'm going to give him a go. 
Um, he said, if I knew you were available the next day, I probably wouldn't have signed him when I'd have just signed you, but I'm going to give him a go. And I said, yeah, no way. I said, I'm, Gaffer, I'm here for I'm here for the rides. You know what I mean? I'm a fan. I just love the club and, and, and was just happy to be there. Um, and yeah, coming on at half time, I thought I did all right. And just obviously, as I said, made 14 other, other appearances and to score that goal against Preston was, uh, was brilliant. You know, to, that was a Sky to, game, wasn't it? The Preston game, yeah. the 4-0 Sky. First goal, Hurt me down a few quid because he backed me all the time to score first goal. So it was a <laughs> good day, that one. Yeah, because you came on for Theo Robinson, didn't you, I think, in that game at Leicester? You have a yeah. great enigma who didn't hang around for long, did he? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I came on as a centre-forward, but I think that was the... Yeah, I mean, obviously, when that, what happens when, when a centre-half gets sent off, you usually sort of spin it around, bring a forward player off and put me on. But yeah, I think we were just happy to... To walk away three three one, I think obviously three 0 down after like half time is always going to be a always going to be a struggle to, to get back in the game with ten men. So sort of damage limitations, and to be fair, we defended quite well and and uh, and, and did all right. So yeah, another game. I think I remember playing Reading away, winning at Reading one 0 playing alongside Paul Robinson. I think that was another game that I really remembered on a. I think it was a Wednesday night. It was a. It was always good. So it's always nice winning 1-0, being a defender away from home. So, yeah, memories like that were always good. What was what was your worst game you 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 remember for, whether or not it was the shittiest ground or, you know, worst abuse or, or just worst game, really? But... Uh, I don't know, really. I've never been asked that question before. Worst game. Um I remember, I remember being a 16-year-old lad going on loan to, to Barking for Morian. I remember losing 6-0 away at Dorking. And um, I was thinking, I don't think this football larks for me. And walking off or driving, driving home with my dad in the car, he said, I thought you was fantastic today, son. I went, really, Dad? We got beat 6-0. He went, no, but I thought you was all right. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I haven't really got too many bad memories. You know, obviously get, got sent off loads of times during my career, probably too many that I should have done. But, um, yeah, I don't remember being, sort of having having too many bad memories. Obviously, losing playoff semi-finals and stuff are always tough. But um, so, yeah, I always looked at it as an achievement to actually get there and, and, and be involved in it. So how much did you lose in fines for being sent off then? I don't, to be fair, I was never I was never one to get fined. I, I was sent off for dissent. So you... Um, yeah, you only really ever got fined if you got sent off for dissent, like kicking a ball away or swearing at a referee. Mine were always terrible tackles rather than anything else. So, um, but yeah, I remember, I remember getting fined. I remember losing two weeks' wages um, when I was playing for obviously Birmingham up at when Steve Bruce was manager. I remember getting fined two weeks' wages for being out on the razzle one night on a on a preseason trip with uh, with Jeff Kenner. But yeah, that was the, uh, that probably been the worst memories losing two weeks' wages. Right, my. Yeah, because you actually stepped up a division when you when you moved to Millwall, didn't you? Because Sheffield Wednesday were what League One at the time, and you moved up to the Championship. So that was quite a brave move, so late in your career. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's a brave move. I think all along, I think when I moved to Millwall, when you look at the two centre halves, Waldy and Robbo, that were there, I think I was always going to be sort of third choice centre half. You know, I, even though I. I sort of believed in my ability. I was 35, 36. I was getting on in my career. I think Kenny really, he, I think he trusted them too with his life at, at, at centre-half. And 
I think I only sort of, because I only played 14 games, I think they were for suspensions or Wardy loved an injury as well. So for, I usually stepped in for for, for, for one of them. So, uh, so I knew I knew what I, what I was signing up for. And I think at the end of the season, um, I remember going in and having a chat with, uh, obviously, Kenny and Andy Ambler. And uh, the gaffer just pulled me one morning and said, look, obviously, um, go and see, go and see uh, Andy. He wants to have a chat with you. who's was the chief exec at the time. And I was thinking that that was it. I was, I was going to get sort of get me P forty five. Thanks for coming, Percy. You know, it's been a good six months, and he and he offered me another year. You know, he offered me next year on the same terms that I was on. And I think that's why, um, I think that's why I sort of, I, I think I got offered because I was just happy being there. Um, I was happy playing a bit part as, uh, at my club that I supported, and um, I, was, I was I was delighted to sign a, another year's contract. One question what was it like being in that dressing room because obviously you had a lot of characters in that dressing room, didn't you? You had Fordy, Robbo, Ward. No, I, I think I, I think I fitted in quite well um, to, with the club because I knew I knew what it was like to play for the club. I knew the the character you had to be, um, and I, I think I fitted in all right. And I, I was always one of them players that whenever I even at training, I, I was in a Thursday. Kenny would take the eleven that were starting. To um to the side to do their bit of bit of pattern of play and that sort of things and and uh, and the bin men or the lads that weren't involved would go and do like a five side with Richard Shaw who was the reserve team manager and um and always I, I got on really well with Shaw so he sort of, and he, after training he'd always say Percy I love having you on the training pitch because you put everything in you don't leave anything on the line and he said it's just brilliant for young lads to come up and play because you're doing that at 36 years of age when uh, 18 years of age sometimes they can't be bothered to get out of bed and I think that was the the, the big thing of, of why I, I fitted in well at the club because I had that attitude and that work ethic to to, to uh, and just love playing football every every time you walked over the white line One question I've got what you know I've, I've always wanted to ask and I've never really asked it yet and all the players we've done but how is the whole system around transfers how does that take place? How, you know, do you is it? Do you get a phone call? Obviously, if you've got an agent, it's probably through them. But you know, how does it work? And and obviously, they still say that fax still applies to the to the transfers. Um, I just wondered how the whole system worked. Um, well, I, I had an agent up until I was uh, probably mid uh, early thirties. Um, he did all my deals from when I was 16, taking me over to Finland for, for two months for experience and, and all my moves to obviously Birmingham and West Brom and everything, Cardiff. But then when I left Cardiff and went to Sheffield Wednesday, obviously, sadly, he passed away. So I was sort of big enough and ugly enough by then to, to do everything myself and obviously just get to know people. Um, obviously, more of a lot, it all depends whether or not there's a fee involved. Obviously, when I left Cardiff to go to Sheffield Wednesday, I was a free transfer. So... I um, I left. I, I, there was nothing to tie up with Cardiff. There was no fee involved. I just went to Sheffield Wednesday and discussed what I wanted a, as a deal. And, and pretty much ten minutes later, it was done and, and signed. Um, the other ones, when there's agents involved and fees involved, so they can take sort of a week with, with the clubs agreeing a fee. It's more often not the agent would ring you and say, "Look, the clubs have agreed a fee, or they're talking about a fee, or they'd say such and such are interested in you." Um, but as, as a player, I was always one of them. I, d- I didn't really want to know what was going on until until something was 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 concrete and I was moving or or something was going to happen. I just wanted to concentrate on playing football. So, 
being a Millwall fan, growing up on the terraces, who are your heroes? Um, obviously, Ryan Oakey, Stevens at the back um, was one. Terry Herlock and uh, obviously Les Briley, the two in midfield, were, were brilliant. But obviously, lucky enough back then to watch, obviously, uh, Tony Cascarino, Teddy Sheringham and John Fashion, you in there pop playing up top. You know, if you look at that as a front three, I think um, being a centre-half, if, if I see any two of them three playing against you, it scares it scare you stiff. You know, they were they were hard nuts and, and, and people sort of that, that you'd, you'd fear playing against. So they were the people, you know, Kevin O'Callaghan, people like that. You know, um, Carter, oh, what's his name? I always think of Danny Carter because I played with Danny Carter. Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy, a uh, little the winger, he was, he was brilliant to watch, you know. So that, that was my era, sort of late 80s, early 90s when uh, when I watched them, and it was uh, they, they were they were my heroes and my idols growing up. Yeah, did you ever model yourself on Rhino or anything like that? Not not really Rhino. <laughs> when I was, um, obviously, when I was sort of 15, 16, I, I and I was touring around, and, and I said Arsenal wanted to sign me. I, I probably had six months of watching Tony Adams at Arsenal. Highbury, so that was um, that was probably the, the the person I probably modelled myself most on was uh, was him. I thought he was he was excellent the way he read the game and and um, and, the, and the way he played. He, he was a leader on on the pitch. Sort of people would sort of respect him and yeah, just tried to try to be, sort of model myself on him and just try and be the, the best player you could be and, and be that leader that, that players when they came on to, into the team and especially youngsters they looked up to you and. Uh, yeah, try to sort of lead by example rather than do what I say rather than what I do. Was it difficult being a Millwall fan playing against Millwall or was it just something that you were paid to do so you had to get on with it? Uh, yeah, that, that was it. So, I mean, you, you, that was your job at the end of the day. You, you just got on with this. I, I, I suppose it's someone who, who, who works for works for Zara and goes and works in Next or something like that. They, there's no, there's no love lost. You just have to get on with the job that you, you, you're paid to do. And I think as a footballer as well, you can be, you can be quite selfish um, and just look after number one. It's different when you go onto the, the coaching and management side. You, you got to look after the whole team. But I think as a player, you're very selfish and look after yourself. And and I think you look at the, the, your own personal goals and how you can, how you can further your own career and. Obviously, playing for for Birmingham and doing well against Millwall was part of me, sort of obviously furthering my career. So yeah, it's hard, but you, you just get on with what, what's right for you, and 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 these sort of allegiances to the football club you support go go out the window a little bit. So what did your old man so, and yeah. uh, his mate say whenever you played against us? I think I, I think they were just proud more than anything. Um, I think a lot of my dad's mates that obviously we used to go to games with. I'd, I'd travel to to Coldblow Lane and to the old den and, and, and watch games with them. So obviously I think for them looking at me as uh, knowing me from probably five years of age, six years of age, going over to Millwall and, and seeing me as a 22 year old or 25 year old playing out on the pitch. And like, I was lucky enough to have the career that I had. Um, I think they looked at him and thought, yeah, he's done well for himself rather than looking at it as, as he was, he's against sort of playing against the club that they support. Yeah, but did you ever hear any of them give you any stick, any abuse? Because that's the Millwall way, isn't it? No, it is, and I think probably when I played against when I played against Millwall, I think there was probably a dozen a dozen Millwall fans around around the club that, as much as they wanted Millwall to win, obviously 
for, for my sake, obviously my uncles and all that, they're all Millwall fans. As I said, some of my dad's best mates are Millwall fans and I think a, a, a few of them. And, and chatting to them after the games as well, they was like, they'd more be talking about the game and what went wrong for Millwall rather than rather than obviously blaming me for doing it, for playing, for, for winning, playing against them. So it was just, it's just nice to, to see people who wanted you to do well and obviously nice to catch up with them after the game as well. You've had a nice, you had a nice long, you've had a nice long career playing um, with keeping yourself fit and everything else. You're now moving in, obviously coaching for Oxford. Now you're you're on a coaching role there at Oxford. So, what does your role consist of, and do you see yourself going forward to actually get into management? Yeah, listen, I want to be a manager. I I I, I, I enjoy coaching, um, but I want to be the main man that makes the decisions. At the end of the day, I enjoy the. I enjoy the sort of managing up as well as down and the media side of things. Um, I probably playing on as long as I did probably affect has probably put my my coaching or management career back five years. I I had an opportunity at thirty seven when I left Port Vale to to be the under twenty ones manager or the under twenty ones coach. Uh, Mickey Adams offered me that role, but I still wanted to play at thirty seven. Um, so I, I I dropped down to non league and, and and did that that side of it. So. Probably playing on for the four or five years I did till I was forty-one has has sort of put my coaching career back five years. But um, I enjoyed I enjoyed my time playing, and so my role at Oxford at the minute is I, I do two days a week uh, working alongside the sixteens, eighteens, and the twenty-ones that are there. So I sort of I, I, I'm in and around all three age groups, which is nice. Doing a lot of defensive stuff with with the young lads coming through, um, and I do three days a week at a school doing a bit of behaviour management and as director of football, setting up all their their GCSE and BTEC work for, for for their football, so it's um it, it's it's hard work. I enjoy what I do, and um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the next chapter, whether or not that be sort of next year, next couple of years of uh, getting back into full time football and, um, and and furthering my, my coaching and management career. A lot of the older players now, or the the players, what possibly were around the same area as you, Bill, um, Liam Trotter. Um, Brian Webster, Brian Webster, etc., Alan Dunn, etc. They're all playing in the lower leagues um, now, purely probably because of their, their love of football. Um, but do you think a lot of them are now going that way because some of these lower league clubs now pay good wages, so it gives them a good finishing up period before they do what they want to do? No, definitely. I think why you can still play and why why you've got the ability to still play, then I would say to every player as long as you can because you're a long time retired. You know, you can't get them years back. I think when you get to to that sort of age and you miss two, three months of, of football, you're never going to get back to playing again. So, why you can still do it as a as a I don't know a late thirties player? I'd drop down to non-league and enjoy playing football because you're you're a long time retired from doing it. So, I can say obviously Dunn is doing well at Bromley. Um, I speak to a lot of the lads non-league wise that are sort of training two, three times a week. Their body can't hack training full-time, but they, they can still do that and they're still enjoying it. And while they're doing that, then they should carry on. Because I think you actually work with another former Millwall player at Oxford, don't you, Chris Hackett? Yeah, Hacks. Obviously, Hacks is there. James Henry is another one. Uh, obviously, James is uh, he's on the playing staff at, at Oxford. So, yeah. Me and Hacks work. Sorry. Sorry to cut over you, but whenever you mention James Henry, all I can remember is the police dog incident. There you go. God, you have to tell me because I haven't heard it. 
it was it was um it was it was James Henry, yeah, it was James Henry, wasn't it, Omar? It was Dunny that pushed him in a cup game yeah. at the end of the game. I think after the game away to Luton, and then um like they're taking the applause from the players and then from the fans, and then Dunny's um pushed him into a police dog. I think I think that's the story. Yeah, there's a huge yeah yeah yeah. The dog proper jumps at him because Dunny takes a piss and says that James Henry's hooter was big enough for the dog to get hold of. So um. So yeah, it was, it was um, yeah. I'll find the YouTube and I'll oh, send it to. But yeah, he, he nearly gets nearly gets bitten by a dog. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, but yeah. So I work, I work with Hacks at Oxford. He isn't Hacks. He's a, he's a very good coach. Um, he's, he's a lot more forward thinking than what I am. If you know what I mean. Obviously, I, I work a lot on the defensive side, and he he works a lot a lot on the attacking side. But yeah, he's a he's a good lad, and um, I think he's enjoying his time at Oxford at the minute. Could you ever see yourself managing Millwall in the future? It's part of go back into it. The, obviously, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to play there and, and do it as a player. But yeah, no, I, I just want to. I want to look back on me on me coaching managerial career and just as long as I've had the chance and the opportunity, then I'll be happy. You know, there's a lot of players or a lot of managers and coaches out there that that don't get the opportunity to do it, and I think that's the hardest thing as a young coach or manager coming up is. Is to get that chance, and um, I'm hoping that's, that's that's my dream. My dream is obviously if I could manage manage Millwall, and if I could manage England, that'd be the, that's the dream. But whether or not I'm good enough to do that, um, I just hope I got the opportunity to to try and go and prove myself to do that. Managing Millwall would be a a, a dream there, wouldn't it? Hey? Just you know, play there, support it, and manage it. That would probably be a a, a glorious end um, to you, and probably would help make a fantastic book. No, I think I, I think that'd be the clean sweep, wouldn't it? That'd be brilliant for me if I if I did, if I could get the opportunity. And I think as a as a Millwall manager, I think you've got to understand the club and and what what the fans expect. You know, obviously, I, I think if you came in and wanted to play total football at Millwall, I don't think it'd quite go down too too well. You've you've got to have that that sort of grit, that determination, and that attitude to work hard for for the fans and for the football club. And if you've got that, I think you've got half a chance of being a, a good new world manager. No, I totally agree. Well, look, um, I think we're, we're draw this um, to an end and I'll do an, um, an ending on it. I mean, before we go into that, um, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure getting a bit of an insight into you, um, into you really. And, and, and getting a better understanding of um, your career. I suppose realistically, it's a shame that you didn't come to, Millwall earlier and you could have probably um, had a lot more games for him I suppose I think that's probably one of my big regrets I'd say one of my big regrets and that I was lucky enough to play in the Premier League and the Championship for, for a number of years and obviously Millwall why I was playing was sort of I'm not they were sort of League One and sort of the yo in between the Championship and League One so for my play, obviously I'm glad I had the career I, I did um, I'd love to have played for Millwall in my, in my prime and and probably gone on and played two, three hundred games for the club. That'd have been unreal. But obviously, I was just I'm thankful that I've I got the opportunity to play for them, and thankful for the career that I had. Hi, you've just listened to the Darren Purse interview on Into the Lions Den. If you do indeed like the show, then please do leave us a rating or a review across your podcast provider. If you want to follow us, we are on social media. We are across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and plenty more out there. Just type in that Millwall podcast. You should be able to find us quite easily. So that was our bonus episode for you. Back to normal service this Wednesday 
with a new player interview. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Picture this, you're fully immersed in your podcast because in the back of your mind, you're not trying to recall when that deadline was supposed to be or stressing to keep everyone updated on next steps. MeetMonday.com, a work management platform that makes having peace of mind easy. With Monday.com, all your work lives in one centralized place. You can automate updates to keep team members up to speed and ensure nothing falls through the cracks, even while you're enjoying your favorite podcast. To start your 14-day free trial, go to Monday.com. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Uh, okay, this is awkward, but this bike says he'd appreciate it if you removed his skull pattern saddlebags. He feels self-conscious about them around all the other bikes, and he says you're not fooling anyone. You mostly ride with your golfing buddies. <laughs> Listen, I'm just the messenger here. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I think you made yourself clear. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.